Hello and welcome back to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. So hello to everyone listening, thank you for being here. We are halfway through series three which is amazing and I have to say I'm really nervous about this week's episode because I think it is my most controversial Um, and I'm not someone actually who shies away from controversy or having strong opinions but I think I've not really on this podcast gone into a lot of detail or ranted (laughs) a huge amount about my problems with the baby sleep industry because what I wanted for this podcast to be was a space where we could have really in-depth meaty conversations about who you're who understanding who a child is understanding how we can support families normalizing things talking to experts about what they know about child development and matrescence and feeding and nurturing and all of these things so I've been so lucky to talk to all these neuroscientists and psychologists and midwives and you know experts about their realm of expertise but um I do also think one of the loveliest things about having a podcast is that you can have conversations that go into the grey areas whereas um, on social media platforms such as Instagram or TikTok or whatever it's really hard to get that nuance and to have those really big conversations about the more controversial subjects. I did want this podcast to be more about the alternatives, so focusing on the positives of nurturing and responsive caregiving rather than just talk every week about how much I hate (laughs) the baby sleep industry and its obsession with sleep training babies. Um, But this week, I didn't hold back. (laughs) Um, And I really wanted to go into the problems with the industry that exists and the absolute best person I could think of to have that conversation is my guest today it's Rachel from Hey Sleepy Baby who um, you may be very familiar with already she runs the largest um, kind of uh, biologically normal infant sleep account on Instagram she's got over 300,000 followers I, I followed her for a long time and watched her sort of meteoric (laughs) rise and it's been so great to have someone in this community with such a big platform and um, she's someone I've been um, fortunate enough to get to know and become friends with so that's really lovely and um, Rachel is heavily pregnant right now so I really wanted to grab her before she enters that sort of newborn bubble because um, I wanted to talk about the problems with not necessarily sleep training, although we do go into that, but this industry that sort of sells sleep to new parents on what I think is pretty dodgy ground. And um, yeah, I just hope that we don't get sued. (laughs) Um, So here it is. Here's the episode. Um, I hope you enjoy it.
One more thing before we start the episode, actually. I wanted to let you know that my toddler sleep course is launching this week. So if you're not already on my mailing list, head along to littlenest.uk to sign up or you can find lots more information on my Instagram account. But basically, if you have a one, two or three year old who is rather wakeful or perhaps night sleep is going great, but naps and bedtime are an absolute nightmare, this is the guide for you. I also talk about parental preference, how to make gentle, respectful changes with a verbal child and uh, night weaning transitioning into childcare, supporting separation anxiety and all the big developmental milestones that really impact sleep through these years, especially language acquisition, which is a big one. What do you do when your toddler wants to have a chat with you at 2am and you're exhausted? Um, And as with my baby guide as well, there is a whole section about supporting parental sleep as well. So what do you do if you've got insomnia, even though your toddler is sleeping through the night? Or how do you survive a long day with a little person when you've not had much sleep either? There's a full troubleshooting guide as well with uh, 70 odd pages of Q&As. And yeah, and lots of just lots of information about sleep science, child development. Um, so yeah, so it's it's available this week, launching really soon. Thank you. How, how are you doing? I am well, thank you. So yeah, we're recording this. I'm 36 weeks pregnant with my third baby. So I am just kind of in that like waiting time. Um, yeah, just like super emotional and hormonal and hating my husband and like all of those things that happen at the end of pregnancy. <laughs> but otherwise I'm great. Yes. And so for people that don't know, you have a four-year-old or five-year-old. Mm-hmm. How old is He's he? almost five. So yeah. it's funny because he's going to be five on this baby's due date. So yeah, they will be like exactly five years apart. Um, and then my middle child, which is so weird that she's going to be a middle child and not my baby anymore. Uh, she's about two and a half. She'll be three at the end of January. Are you where are you? You've got siblings, haven't you? Where, where do you fall? Yes. I'm an oldest. I'm an eldest daughter, which says everything you need to know about me (laughs) (laughs) well I'm a middle child so I feel yeah you give me that middle child vibe (laughs) I love it (laughs) that's I don't know that's I'm married to a middle child as well so I think that's oh um, interesting I think birth order is so fascinating isn't it yeah I read some I, I would love to read more about it actually it's really really interesting like how similar oldest children are and youngest and yeah it's really really cool to to learn about it and it's gonna be interesting to see how my children kind of like fall into those things too but and did you always want a big family or yes I am one of three um so yeah so I'm the oldest of three and so three always just felt like a pretty normal number to me once we had my second in the height of like COVID and everything we were like done we were at max capacity we were like as wonderful it would be, as it would be to have a big family and lots of kids like this feels like too much yeah. <laughs> already. Um, so yeah, it actually took us until my daughter was about two that we kind of decided to go for it. And um, we ended up getting pregnant, luckily, really 
quickly after we made that decision. So it's like no going back. Um, and yeah, we're excited. We're excited to have a big family, but it's definitely, um, a lot (laughs) as well. It is. Yeah. I would love to hear, I suppose, about how, because, well, your story, how you came into the world of sort of, I don't know what to call it really. I, I don't really know what to, to, to how to describe what we do actually. I know, I know the like baby sleep world is not really a place that you want to be associated with sometimes. Oh, <laughs> I know. You know I, I have major issues with the word gentle and yeah, but anyway, but I know you're, you, you've got a background in education. Yes. So you've worked yeah, so, a long time. Yeah. So I've always loved babies and loved kids. I started babysitting when I was 12 years old. I wanted to be a pediatrician actually when I was little, because I thought that I'd be able to just hold babies all day long. Um, and realized that the medical field was definitely not for me. So I went into teaching instead. So yeah, I was a teacher for about nine years. Um, I taught in various different settings in elementary schools, mostly with younger ones like kindergarten, um, first, second grade, uh, for those that aren't in the U S that's like around ages five to seven ish was, um, what most of my kids were. And then I did most of my career in special education. So kids with, uh, different disabilities. Um, and I really loved it. But then once I was on maternity leave with my daughter, my second baby, uh, COVID hit, it was like, she was born in, uh, the end of January, 2020. So she was, you know, six weeks old. I was on maternity leave. We kind of went into lockdown. And so then I had my son home with me too. daycare shut down. So I was just kind of like white knuckling it for a few months there and kind of just decided like, I, you know, during this time I had also signed up for my first certification. I thought it would be like a fun maternity leave project. Cause you think you're going to get so much done during maternity leave, which is like always such a joke, but you know, I didn't know better with my second baby apparently. So I signed up for that, thought it would be like a really great way to make some extra money. Um, and then once it started kind of taking off a little bit more on Instagram, I decided to just not go back to teaching because we were still doing distance learning. I really did not want to do distance learning. Um, and it just seemed like kind of a mess to get back into public schools, um, during the height of COVID. So I was, you know, really scared to take that leap, but ended up resigning, um, over the summer when my daughter was a few months old, I think I had a a thousand Instagram followers. I hadn't made any money yet. I hadn't had a paid product or anything like that yet. Um, So yeah, it was a really big leap of faith, but um, it allowed me to just kind of pour everything into it uh, and have it be my sole focus. And so then it kind of just took off from there and I added, you know, more certifications and took more courses and, um, and all of that. So yeah, it worked out, but (laughs) as someone who, who loves learning and never seems to stop. Yes, that is a very accurate description to a fault because I often sign up for things that are really hard to then get through and get done. Um, but yeah, I love learning. I, when I was a teacher, I used to sign up for any professional development that they would offer. I used to go to all different conferences. Um, yeah. And now that I'm in this space, I love doing things that will kind of complement my work with families, like breastfeeding education and trainings and attachment and all different stuff like that to just have like the most well-rounded viewpoint that I can, I guess. Um, but yeah, I love to learn. 
something I was talking to someone about today who's a, a, a fellow sleep professional and I don't know if you identify I don't know if you would describe yourself as sort of type a anyway but sh- she and I would and that this sort of like thirst for knowledge can sometimes like you can know too much and it can actually yes. with your own parenting you can start to overthink and yet at the same time you kind of can't stop learning more yes No, my husband tells me all the time, like, are you going to read a book soon? That's not about parenting or like, (laughs) um, or listen to a podcast that's not about parenting. Um, and I think it's, it's the beauty of when your passion and your job kind of meet. Like I have really truly found that supporting young families and new moms has just like lit this fire in me. And I just see such a lack of resources for them that align with how they want to parent. I see a lot of mainstream parenting and especially sleep being very tailored towards one particular way of doing things. And it leaves a lot of people out. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the tricky thing about being a parent through all of this as well is that you always, when you're taking all these courses and absorbing all this knowledge, I don't know about you, but like you get this almost like imposter syndrome. Like you should know everything <laughs> because you have put in so much time and money into, <clears throat> excuse me, into learning. And then when your child flips out or, you know, is having a difficult patch with sleep, you're like, oh my God, like, yeah. how is this possible? I should be able to fix this. <laughs> yeah. Or I, I, I know I shouldn't get angry or I know, I know, I know how to do better and I'm not. Right. And I'm yeah. not. Yeah. Or I can't. Yeah. So it, it makes it a little bit harder when you, when you think you should know everything or you feel like you do know a lot. Yeah. 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 I wish some, I mean, like if anyone had seen me last week, I was on a flight on my own with my three-year-old as he was like hitting me in the eye, trying to kick the seat in front of him while screaming. And I was, I just thought I was, I've never been so dysregulated in my life. And I was like, yeah, I really hope no one here follows me or listens to this. Podcast. I know. <laughs> I think about that sometimes too when I'm out because I do get recognized now from time yeah. to time when I'm out and about. And so whenever we're at the park and my kids are being nuts or something, I'm just like, oh my God, Rachel, like you have to keep it together. You never know like, <laughs> if there's someone watching you. And of course, my mind, like I always go to like, I bet you have like a hate follower or like a lurker at this park and they're going to do anything they can to like destroy you. And they're going to talk. And my mind just goes to like these really dark places <laughs> um, because it's true. Like our kids, we can't, no matter if you're, you know, the biggest parenting expert, which I don't even really think that's a real thing um, in the world, you know, the kids are kids and they're never going to be perfect especially when we need them to be right. They always know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that, that part can be really hard. It really can. It's so funny. I, I think for me, and I want to get into how you sort of started to sort of see through the, the claims of the baby sleep industry, but mm-hmm. the light bulb moment for me was I was talking to someone who I followed and really respected through and I, I'd followed her on Instagram and I, I sort of met her and I was she's got a big account and is a sleep trainer and she was sort of having an off the record chat with me and this was before I did any kind of training or anything and she kind of confessed a few things about like the reality of how her kids slept and and that yes there are some kids that even with sleep training there are no results and you know and she I really thought she had this secret formula mm-hmm. um 
And to say, she even said that her toddlers like didn't sleep through the night every night. I was like floored. But it's also not surprising at all. I mean, not like 80% of our clients come to us having already tried yeah. sleep training. Yeah, same here. Like, and it, yeah. you know, exactly. I work with so many families that have tried that because when you're exhausted, you will do anything to get of sleep. Of course. And it seems like the easiest way to do it for a lot of people. So why wouldn't you? So, so what was it for you? Like when, cause you, so you sleep trained your son, your first, yeah. mm-hmm. but tell, tell us about that. And yeah. So he, um, so he's almost five now. So Instagram was like really not this place of massive parent education pages. Like it is today. It was very different. I don't even remember if I followed any parenting pages or if it was just like going on there to see pictures of my friends yeah. and there weren't Instagram stories. Like it was just so different. Um, and I remember just being completely like blindsided by his sleep. I couldn't really put him down during the day. He was waking up to eat. Like when he was a few months old, like those types of normal things, like I'm like, duh, now they blew me away. Like I thought that by the time he was, you know, a couple months old, he'd be sleeping really long stretches or through the night. I thought I'd be able to put him down for naps. Um, it was just so different. And of course he's my highly sensitive child and I knew nothing about temperament or even what that meant at that time either. So that's like a whole nother layer and a whole nother story. But what I mostly did was read books. I read parenting books. I bought books specifically about sleep. I, I was in like a mom and baby group starting when he was about four months old. All the moms were talking about sleep training And I was kind of like, oh, so like, this is just what you do, I guess, because all these moms are doing it. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of close friends that had had babies yet. I was one of the first ones. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of my only basis for what you should do. And then all the books said the same thing. So I was like, okay, well, all of these doctors are writing about it. Like my own pediatrician says it's fine. My mom told me she sleep trained me. So Mm -hmm. I guess this is just what everybody does. Like I truly did not think there was another way. It's so bizarre to think about now, but I, I really didn't think there was another way. It was more a matter of like when you're going to do it and what method you're going to use, not whether you're going to do it at all. So I Googled and, you know, so a lot of what I was served as far as the internet wasn't so much through Instagram, but Um, I also tried the 12 hours by 12 weeks plan, you know, that book. So basically just like stretching out his feeds, which was the worst thing I could have done because he was a reflux baby. Um, So yeah, like just nothing I tried worked. Like he was already a pretty decent sleeper by around four months. Like we had, you know, I had learned some things from those programs. Of course, I learned about wake windows. I learned about bedtime routines, you know, trying out, putting him down in his crib just to see if he would fall asleep and, and do those types of things with less and less support over time. And he actually took to a lot of that really well. And knowing his personality now, it makes so much sense. Like he loves a routine, like he wants everything to be very much the same. Um, so those types of things did work. Like he pretty much followed wake windows. He would go into his crib with his pacifier and fall asleep on his own. Um, but he kept waking up. And even when we had gone through two weeks of sleep training, three separate times at three separate ages. I have a whole blog post about this. If anybody cares (laughs) that much about the details, 
Um, but it never worked. Like he kept waking up throughout the night. He would cry for a very, very long time. Um, like up to an hour with check-ins from my husband while I was just like curled up in the fetal position, crying, feeling like the worst mom in the world. Um, and we had tried the final time when he was around nine months and it didn't work again. So we were just kind of like, F this, like, this is stupid. This is not working. It's not that bad. He's only getting up twice a night. He eats and he goes right back to sleep. Like it's really not that bad. I can handle it. What originally made me want to try it was the fact that I was going back to work. So we have terrible maternity leave here in the States. And I was getting ready to go back to work when he was four months old, which was actually pretty generous considering what most people do here. Um, and I was trying to get him on a schedule. I was trying to make it so that he could go down for a nap for my husband or my mother-in-law or daycare, whoever was watching him. And I thought it would just make it a lot easier. So, you know, that was kind of my main, that plus just my postpartum anxiety telling me like, oh my God, he's still not sleeping. What's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. Um, those were kind of my reasons for yeah. getting into it in the first place. But once I realized it was not going to work for him and we kind of just surrendered, like it was just yeah. so much easier, so much easier to deal with it. And then he slept through the night when he was one, like he was only 12 months old and he started sleeping through the night. Yeah. So he's actually my way better sleeper of my two kids so yeah. far. So I know that's interesting isn't it I know perspective is everything it is isn't it I just think um I think I it seems to me my 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 interpretation of how things are in in the U.S. is that yeah that sleep training is a lot more mainstream and it's just it's like you know just yeah and and I think it's starting to become that way in certain parts of the UK as well yeah because yeah my son was born in 2019 and I think that's around like social media was changing quite a bit then. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remembered like we weren't talking about wake windows, but then people started to have yeah the similar programs that you mentioned. Yeah, started being talked about and shared, and um, and now I just feel like I have never I've I'm yet to meet someone that doesn't know what a wake window is. You know, it's funny right right concepts go round. Yeah. Um, but you know it's what's interesting is so um you know recently there's a big american account that live sleep trained two babies mm-hmm. and, um i was on holiday when this was happening so i kind of wasn't really giving it any attention cuz i didn't want it good. to be my, my vibe like good honestly it was just <laughs> like it was a horror show. I like opened Instagram a few times and saw all, all these really angry people. I was like, oh, that's, I can't go there because that would make me too mad. Um, <laughs> so when I came back and I, I mentioned it um, on my, on my Instagram account and, and the British people were like shocked. Oh, like, I know. But, but was that the same in the US though? Like, No, but I do have quite a few followers from other countries, yeah. which I love. I think it's so cool. Um, and they were the ones that were messaging me like, you must be joking. Like, cause I did mention it a couple of times. I didn't go very deep into it, but I mentioned it a couple of times, told them that it was happening. They could not believe it. They were like, you've got to be like, there's no way this is real. Like, how is this not abuse? How is this? Okay. How are the parents? Okay. With this, the American followers, some were of course shocked because yeah. it's a shocking thing, or it should be, if it's not shocking to you, then that is a problem. Um, but then you go to her page and there's all of these like amazing 
comments cheering her on and supporting her and saying, oh my gosh, this is so great. Oh my gosh, this baby is so lucky. Like it's, it makes you feel like you're in an alternate reality, honestly, because I just don't see how anybody could look at that and think that it's okay. Um, but I definitely did notice that people from outside of the U.S. were much more horrified. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Cause I just yeah. think there's so many different layers to what I've, what, why I have a problem with it. Like even regardless of your stance on sleep training, I think like for me, just on a human to human level, like that baby is a person and, and they right. have no consent and they're just, their distress is being broadcasted to an enormous audience like that for a profit with with links on every page for you to buy her products and she's a brilliant salesperson like oh she is you can't you can't take that away you can't take that away she spins it so well she throws out all of these words that really are not real like phrases that aren't real she misuses a lot of terms and misapplies a lot of really basic research um and it's fascinating to watch because we can see it clearly for what it is, of course, but the general public like is really eating it up and believing everything she's saying because she is so good at convincing you yeah. um, that what she's saying is true. And I agree with you. Like those, that was my top issue, of course, was like this baby is being used as a prop. Their distress is being used to sell. Yeah. That to me is pretty disgusting, but the other main problem that I had with it, of course, I sleep trained, like I was just saying, and I know lots of families that have sleep trained for whatever reason, right? And that's not so much my issue. It's that in the, in these cases with now she's done it with two babies and I'm told this isn't even the first time she's done it. Um, but my main issue with it is that it's not the parents that are doing it. It's a stranger. Um, and to me, that has got to be really alarming for the baby. Um, especially the young baby who doesn't have any kind of object permanence, like their family just leaves for three days and this strange lady is putting them to bed and they're crying themselves to sleep. And it's just really, really heartbreaking. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the closet. (laughs) Although I think, I think partly a lot of the, the, um, maybe the British outrage was slightly to do with our closets here are very very different like when I saw her closet I was like oh we do not have anything like that here (laughs) (laughs) it was a pretty fancy closet I will give her that it (laughs) was bigger than my flat like I know I know um I mean no but it was it was a windowless um very small space that is Mm -hmm. essentially a a storage closet in the downstairs of her home and um and it's not a place that the baby knows yeah just so many um like ethical layers. Yeah. And I even saw there's a very popular sleep trainer in the UK that commented on it. Um, mm-hmm. And someone, I don't follow her, but someone sent me a screenshot of what she said and said like, see, look, even other sleep trainers don't agree with this and think that this is really wrong. And she touched on the fact that a, it was probably too young. The baby was only five months, but premature. So four months corrected, as we know from research, really sleep training in that fashion with cried out or Ferber style methods should not be done until at least six months. Mm. And the fact that this baby is with a stranger who is not going to be able to co-regulate with her, like her parents will, when she does do those check-ins, which it was one check-in in 25 minutes. So I don't know how much of a difference it would have made anyway, but, um, you know, she's in a strange space, strange smells. She just is totally out of her normal routine with her people. Yeah. And that is really, really sad. Yeah. 
Oh, it's just I, I just think it's a really weird moment in like parenting culture of like it feels almost, yeah like dystopian of like we're just live streaming this stuff now and and like you say it's it's for profit and um it's and it's very expensive her stuff oh yeah it's like six thousand dollars for her to go do this for you it's yeah. funny because we actually it's not funny it's horrible but we just booked with a client this week who um, did pay for the in-home sleep training. She was there. Um, she didn't go away, but um, yeah, it's thousands of dollars. And now she's coming to us because it didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, not only is she dealing with the fact that she lost thousands of dollars, but she has this enormous guilt that she, that she did this and she hadn't found, you know, the, the other side of sleep training yet. Um, it was kind of something she thought she had to do. So it's, it's really, really sad the way that new parents are just totally taken advantage of and a big part of those stories and the and the whole and and that project in particular is we're going to give you your life back you're going to find parenting like this is all of your problems you're going to feel yeah you're going to have you time you're going to be in control all of this stuff and I I think it's the opposite of that in practice Mm -hmm. don't don't you I mean like how do you feel in that first year of your son's life oh my god Well, that part to me is so laughable because I remember like I was at work one day, my parents were watching my baby and we were trying to go through the sleep training. We were trying to stick to a schedule, all of this stuff. And I remember I was driving home from work and I see them on the street and they are running with the stroller, like booking it down the street of San Francisco with my baby in the stroller because they were so scared that they were going to get him down for his nap late and that I would get home and get mad at them. Like it ruled our entire life. We would not leave the house past six 30. Yeah. We would not like do anything that would disrupt the bedtime routine or the nap times. Like we were just crazy. And it was such a, it was such a sad way to live. Like I wish I looked back, I could look back now and say that we really enjoyed that first year as parents. And we really didn't. And this was the main reason why is because I was so stressed about how he was sleeping. And I had such anxiety about what would happen if he didn't get a good nap or what would happen if, you know, he got to bed too late or got overtired or all of these rules that, that I thought we had to follow. So when we had my daughter, I kind of went like the total opposite way. Um, and we really just like went with the flow, didn't stress too much about anything. Um, and yeah, it's funny because she did not sleep through the night as quickly as he did so it's hard to know like well would that have happened anyway is it nature is it nurture like there's all these questions so I guess the third baby will be my tiebreaker and I'll figure it out but um but yeah I mean I just wish I could go back and tell myself to like chill out you don't have to follow all these rules they're all made up anyway (laughs) and you're gonna enjoy your life so much more if you just like let go a little bit like it's not it's not the freedom that they promise. Um, it's for me, it was quite the opposite that it made my life feel a lot more rigid and a lot more restricted. Yeah. And you can see that in the stories, like she's very anxious. She's like rushing back here, there and everywhere. She's counting Mm -hmm. minutes, doing math all day long. Yeah. And I remember that myself, like constantly Mm -hmm. I had timers on my phone. I was if I'd forgotten how long the, the exact wait window had been and I was like was it two hours or two hours 15 and oh my right, god right. all of that stuff was gonna undo my whole day and mm-hmm. oh my goodness I, I remember my husband going out for a walk with our I don't know like five month old 
And I was like, you have to continually walk for two hours. If he doesn't get his two hour lunch nap, like I'm going to be so angry at you. And even if you need the toilet, like you cannot sit down, do not stop walking. You must walk solidly. For and he was like, he did it. But he said at one point, like his shoelace came undone and he was because he was wearing him in the sling and he was like really worried about what to do if he stopped walking and didn't get the two hour nap. Not because he was worried about the sleep. He was just frightened of me and my rage that I would oh have. Oh my God. I did that to my mother-in-law too. My 70 year old mother-in-law had to take a two hour walk every day. <laughs> she watched him <laughs> because God forbid the nap be under two hours. Yeah. 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 Um, it's crazy. And I, and you know, I remember him being out that time and, and feel, and I was supposed to like get a, have a, have a nap myself or maybe a shower or a bath or something. And I spent the whole time anxious. I couldn't trust him to get the nap <sighs> I needed. Yeah, It was not freedom at all. And no. also there are those nights where you've done everything right. You know, you've followed the routine. Maybe they've even self-settled. Um, and they still wake a million times and you just feel like an absolute failure. Yep. Well, and then you're spending the whole night and the whole next day thinking about, okay, well, yesterday I did it this way. So today I must have to do this, this, and this. And it's just, it's so mentally exhausting when you're working on like such limited brain power as a new mom anyway. It's just like, it's such a waste of your precious energy and time. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, it's just, it does worry me sometimes because I think that it, I think the pandemic made things more intense. I think the way that our online lives are evolving makes it more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really scary, I think. It is. And I think, you know, social media is such a blessing and such a curse, right? Because there are such wonderful accounts and resources and help for people to get, you know, free support um, and free education. So I think that part of it is so great, but it's also so hard to wade through all of the BS that's on social media. And not only that, even if you really curate your feed and only follow things or people that really align with you and with what you want to do, you're still going to see, you know, a real pop-up or your friend's baby pop-up and you're going to be comparing how their baby looks like they're sleeping and how your baby sleeps. And, the comparison is what I think can be so unhealthy too. Definitely. And I think as well, you know, I, I think on the more gentle side of things or the less sleep training side of things, well, there are some accounts as well that aren't necessarily great for your mental health. Like some people can also be quite extreme in their views. Um, Yes. That is such a good point. Yeah. Um, And I hear that criticism all the time um, because people do want there to be two camps, right? They want there to be sleep training and anti-sleep training. Um, and often those who don't sleep train are villainized for making moms feel horrible, for not caring about mom's mental health, um, for practicing things that are unsafe, like bed sharing. Like, I mean, there are so many things. And I hear this, I hear this all the time about, you know, how the biologically normal infant sleep community. I guess that's what people call us um, is, is just a bunch of mom shamers. Right. And that really, yeah, really gets me because it's quite the opposite. We're trying to free parents, right. We're trying to help them see that if sleep training is what you want to do, that's fine. There are so many resources you can go check out, but you don't have to. And let us show you how it can be if you don't want to yeah, if you're interested in the alternatives right and 
And I think what makes me so frustrated, though, you're so right about that, um, that binary kind of way of like this and that, like there is then there's absolutely no room for like interesting debate, me- like meaningful debate and the right. gray areas. And um, but yeah, it is that that like us against them type thing um, is really annoying. And and I don't think it's how most parents think about things either. My thing, too, is like if I could find a sleep training account that really just kind of laid it out and gave parents like, here's what you have to do. Here's what might happen. Here is what, you know, might not happen because it might not work. And these are some reasons why it might not work. I, I would feel okay about that. Like I am not of the mind that everybody has to do things a certain way just because those are what I believe are best. <laughs> like I can completely understand why some people would feel like they need to sleep train. Do I believe it's the best thing for a baby? No, I don't. Yeah. Do I think that sometimes it's what's going to serve the family unit best? Sure. Yeah. So do I want those people to have appropriate education and resources and information that is not based on fear or misapplication of science. That's my entire thing. Like, I just wish that that existed. And unfortunately it doesn't because they all tend to spin their methods to look like something that they're not, to look a lot nicer than they are, to look a lot better, easier. They spin their success rates. um, And they're not fully honest about what it's going to entail And they're not fully honest about, okay, this might not be for you if X, Y, Z. I see so much, um, I see so much, I take so much of an issue with sleep trainers, assuming that every baby can be sleep trained or should be sleep trained. I never see any conversation around highly sensitive babies or babies with any type of medical issue. Like we were talking about the sleep trainer that was doing, um, the live sleep training, she had said that that baby had had a tongue tie and wouldn't take a bottle very well and wouldn't take a pacifier. And to me, I'm just like, these are all major red flags that this baby needs, you know, some therapy, some feeding support, like there should not be any sleep training happening at all right now until those things are addressed. And so I just wish that the industry had a little bit more integrity and honesty. And if I knew of any account or any program that took those things into consideration, I would feel a lot better about it as a whole. But unfortunately, that whole sleep training side of things is just not very honest. I, because I think that was another big thing of the of this live sleep training is this rebrand of yes. sleep learning, sleep teaching, yep. um, sleep shaping. I've heard it all working on sleep that's another sort of euphemism that's often used now like well we're just working sleep or and it's like they're all very vague and it's like just be honest like don't parents aren't stupid they're Um, not stupid and they also know that they can just google a ferber chart or look up how to do cry it out like people are still looking for those things like those things are still very heavily searched on google people are looking for that. So like, then just give them that and tell them what it is and don't sugarcoat it and give all these false promises and talk about how amazing it is because for a lot of families, maybe it is, but for a lot of families, it's not. And I think 
us being in this industry and having such large followings is proof that a, not everybody wants to do it. And B, even if you want to do it and you try it, it's not going to always work. Even if it works right away, it's not going to stay working for very long necessarily. So yeah, I just wish there was a little more transparency and I wish that the industry was more regulated to be honest, because it's just a mess out there. Yeah, it really is. And, and like, you know, you and I, I guess like we operate a lot in the online space, but you know, I just have a lot of friends who've just had some really, really weird, dodgy things <laughs> happen to them working with just like, you know, local sleep consultants, you know, yeah. um, given outrageous advice to, to families. Um, so it's not even the people that are talking about this to, on, in a public way. They're just right. they people's homes and they're telling them uh, that quite unsafe things are okay or or just very much they're confusing their personal opinions yeah you know yeah well and here in the U.S. that's a major problem with our doctors unfortunately yeah. Yeah. pediatricians are constantly giving out sleep training um, advice and recommendations and it's yeah it's really problematic I find that so inappropriate I mean it is I know and any again this is another thing that's so cultural because anytime I talk about this everybody from other countries is like why are your doctors even talking to you about sleep like unless it's a medical concern what are they what like why do they feel like they can tell you this and it's it's shocking I guess if you're not from here but it's so pervasive it's just like you go to the doctor and you expect them to ask about sleep and then if you say you're not sleeping you expect them to say it's okay to sleep train now because your baby's 12 pounds or you know whatever other made up thing they want to say three months or two months there's a really big pediatrician office in New York City that um, advises all their all of their patients to sleep train at two months with cried out it's insane. I mean, it does happen here and other parts of the world. Don't get me wrong. Like I've I've had so many clients who've clearly got lots of red flags going on, um, you know, snoring or like constant, yeah, really severe reflux or mm. whatever. And they've gone to their to their doctors and they have been told like, well, have you tried just like letting them cry for a bit? Um, so it does happen. But I think like it's this gray area between um, personal opinion um, about how because parent you know your cultural ideas about what parenting should be and then like professional advice it's really difficult yeah and unfortunately it gets very murky when they're making these types of recommendations that they really have no business recommending unless you're asking and saying hey doctor can I sleep train and then you can have that conversation but yeah because I think is also there's a major there's a there's a, a big misunderstanding in the western culture about um but the difference between like permissive parenting and then like authority, like, you know, having authority and for sure or, or being authoritarian. And, and, and that's something I think that, you know, are there people that bed share because they're quite permissive? But yes, of course. Are there people mm-hmm. who sleep train because they're permissive? Yes. You know, like it can work e- either way. And, and I think that, you know, are there people who appear like they're gentle parents that actually <laughs> they just can't say no? Maybe. Right. Of course. Right. Of course we're all we're all dealing with our own baggage and our own right stuff. aren't we I know and we're all figuring it out but I think then this there's this fear of like oh well they'll never do this and I think for me and and what I see with a lot of my friends is that like that first year particularly parenting things can feel so permanent can't they like you can feel like if I make this decision right now that's it I've that's it forever even though you know it's not forever it can feel like that 
yeah, the first year is just so intense that it also just feels like it's never going to pass. So you feel like, oh my gosh, like this is so hard and it's never going to be better. I'm never going to sleep again, which is just, of course not true. But when you're in it, it really feels like that. It really feels like this is going to be your new reality. Things will never get better. Your baby is always going to need you this much at night. And it's always going to be this intense. And it's really, really hard, especially with your first, um, to see your way out of that. And my husband talk and I talk about this all the time, how with our second and now with our third, like we just are so at peace with whatever happens in that first year and, and beyond, because we know a, how quickly it can change. You know, they can, my son just started sleeping through the night one night and just has ever since. So like it can literally just switch on like that. And if that doesn't happen, then it gets gradually better over time. And, you know, the first few months or the first year that seems so hard is like a distant memory and you do get through it. So yeah, it's, it's again, just that perspective is really everything. I guess a lot of people will say, if you're, a, if you're into biologically normal sleep and that's your kind of ethos, then that you can't, you can't possibly look after multiple children, right? Like that's something like, Oh yeah, that's a big know, argument. That, yeah. Like yeah. how could I possibly like rock one baby to sleep when I've got my toddler outside? Like that's something I think that, I think she even says that when she's live sleep, sleep trainer, even says it when she's like sleep training, she's like, see, I couldn't possibly support one child. People do it all the time. Like, are you kidding? I put my baby in a baby carrier and she slept like that for every single nap for the first like six months of her life, or she'd sleep in the car while I brought my kid to preschool. Like people figure it out. People are not that dumb. Um, and you know, I also don't like the idea that we have to sacrifice the baby for the sake of the whole family. So yes, it's important for the whole family to be rested as much as possible. It's important for you to carve out time for your older child. When you have a new baby, like it's important to make time for your marriage. All of those things are true, but it's also an expectations problem. Like if we go in to having a new baby, when we have older children and we have a partner and we think that we're going to be operating at a hundred percent for all of those people, like that is just delusional and it's not realistic. And we need to give ourselves a break for that, that, you know, maybe your toddler is going to get a little more screen time than you would like, because you're going to be rocking the baby to sleep. Or maybe you don't get out for a date with your partner for the first few months because your baby still needs you to support them at bedtime. Like those things are all okay. And they don't mean that you are a bad mom or a bad wife or anything like that, because you are choosing to support your baby instead of sleep training them. So that type of argument drives me insane is that we need to sacrifice this baby. We need to sleep train this baby whether it's appropriate for them or not for the sake of the whole family. I just don't buy that at all. Yeah. I think it also comes at quite a high cost for the mother as well, though, because I think, you know, I tried seat training, you tried seat training. I've got lots of friends that have, I don't know any like mum who doesn't have some carry a bit of baggage about it, you know, oh, for sure. There's an enormous amount of guilt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, even, I, even people I know who, are, and I've got friends who are really into it. And, um, and, I'll ha- and and they think, you know, they feel, genuinely believe they made the right choice, but they still feel horrible about what they had to do. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it, 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 yeah, you're right. There is a cost to the baby, but there is also a cost to the mother. For sure. And I think that's another piece that's so misrepresented and so misunderstood is that sleep training will save your mental health as the mom. Mm-hmm. And you hear these stories all the time. Like every time you go to a sleep training page and you look at the comments, it's 
it's like a cult almost with these people talking about how it's the best thing they ever did. It saved their marriage. It saved their mental health, all of these things. And like, for some people, I'm not going to say that they're lying. Like that is probably true for them. And that's great. Um, but on the flip side, like I have a lot of followers and I hear from people every single day about how they're so happy they found my page or they're so happy they found one of my colleagues pages because they didn't know there was another way and they were spiraling out of control with postpartum anxiety because sleep was such an obsession for them. And I think that's the part that gets left out of the conversation too, is that, okay, sure. So sleep training might address maternal mental health for some people. Like it, that's been shown in research. We, we know that that is true for some, but what's also true is that sleep training culture in general can really, really obliterate a mom's mental health as well. And even if she decides to go through with it, it's not easy on her mental health. There's a reason that we're meant to, there's a reason that a baby's cry is so uncomfortable physically for us to hear. It's because we are meant to respond. We are meant to go to them. And when we ignore those instincts, it's really, really freaking hard. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, whether it works or doesn't work, we have this lasting feeling of, you know, maybe guilt or shame or, feeling like maybe we wish we didn't do it. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that there's this false promise that A, it's good for the whole family and B, it's going to be great for mom's mental health because it's really just not that cut and dry. And those types of things can't be applied to everybody. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's so important. And so do you, do you get a lot of pushback? I do. (laughs) I would say that it depends on what I'm talking about and it depends on uh, like how quickly I'm gaining followers. So like every once in a while, I'll get like a big surge of new followers. And I think, you know, people peruse my page or I'm mentioned on a big account or something and I just get like a big influx all of a sudden. And then once I start talking about sleep training, those people are like, oh, wait a second. (laughs) Like I actually hate you (laughs) and they will message me to let me know that. Um, but I think, you know, for the most part, like as I've grown bigger, um, people mostly know what I'm about and what I'm not about. So I would say as I get bigger, the, the negative stuff does actually get lower, which is surprising. I, I kind of thought that it would be the opposite, um, where, you know, the more people you have, the more likely there are for some crazies and some mean people to pop through. But one of the best things I actually ever did was limit my comments. And I did that when I was still pretty small. I think I was under 10,000. And I limited comments to followers only. And I've kept that so that, you know, random trolls can't just come in my comments and attack me every time they want to, they have to follow me first. So it's like one extra step. (laughs) And I find that most people are not willing to take that one extra step. So Yeah. I mean, I definitely get every time I post about sleep training every single time, no matter how gentle I'm being, like I shared a post yesterday that was literally just research, like not even my own opinions. Um, and I still got tons of comments about mom shaming and how I have to present both sides. And, and those arguments are so frustrating to me because a, I hate being misunderstood. I'm really just trying to help people (laughs) and I'm really just trying to call out the sleep training industry, not the parents that utilize it. Um, but it's so frustrating because nobody ever tells a sleep trainer that they need to show both sides. 
Yeah. You know, nobody ever demands that they talk about bed sharing or co-sleeping or that they talk about how you don't have to sleep train or that they talk about highly sensitive kids or kids with red flags or medical issues. Like nobody ever demands that they shed light on those types of things. And nobody ever asks them for free advice or free stuff, even though everything that they're selling you is free on the internet because it's, I mean, sleep training is pretty accessible via Google. So like, yeah, that part to me is really frustrating, but overall, I I would say I, my followers are pretty amazing. Um, and they're very, very kind. And a lot of them have been with me since the very beginning and they don't even have a little baby anymore. They have like an almost three-year-old or something and they still follow and, and chat with me in DMs really often. So it's really, really nice. Oh, that's so lovely. Well, I think you've built a really, a really special community. And thank you. Um, I, I, you know, I do understand, like, I think, so yeah, so I was really pro sleep training. And I was someone I think who did think that people who were talking about alternatives, I remember thinking, well, they're just shaming people. Mm-hmm. I had, and I think I was kind of, I don't know why, I felt that way but I I I, it was my issue really like it was my it was it was touching a nerve in me um and I was putting that on I was projecting I guess onto other people yeah yeah um so I I do and I understand where it comes from that defensiveness I just think it it's just so typical of, of a culture not just the states but in in I think in Europe as well and other kind of yeah parts of the world where where, where women just aren't meaningfully supported and it's mm-hmm. just our responsibility to fix 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 rather than actually get the help so it's like you know we've just got to keep everything going and spinning all the plates yeah um but no one's actually helping us spin these plates or like saying I think you've got too many <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know Um, Well, and that's something people ask me all the time when I talk about sleep training is like, okay, so you don't want us to sleep train. So what do we do? (laughs) And while I do believe there are lots of things we can do to optimize sleep, not only for babies, but for parents in that first couple of years where things can be really tough. Part of it is also just kind of your mindset and accepting that like, this is going to be hard for a few months, of course, depending on your baby's temperament and how they are as a sleeper. Um, but I think having our expectations really realistic and grounded in what we know about infant biology and what they're meant to do, you know, we wouldn't have this industry and we wouldn't have this like quote unquote problem of babies waking up if it was an anomaly, right? Like the fact that it's every baby yeah, <laughs> pretty much like that kind of tells you something that like, this is actually how it's supposed to be. It's not that all of these babies are born broken or that all of these parents are doing everything wrong. Like that's not likely what's way more likely is that this is just how nature intends babies to be. And our culture is not how nature intended us to be. And so that mismatch I think is really, really hard. And, and we try so hard to fix it so that it feels easier. Um, and people just want a really quick fix. They want a solution. They ask me, you know, they send me paragraphs in my DMS about what's happening with them. And they say, any tips? And I'm like, (laughs) where do I start? (laughs) It's just people want like a very quick answer. And I think that is what is so appealing about sleep training is it's made to look easy and quick and effective. And, um, I think that is what people really want. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, you're so right. It, it is our culture of like of just 
hacks and yeah yeah and that's mm-hmm. why I always think there's so many parallels between sleep training and, and and the diet industry of like oh my gosh for sure it's the same it's just yeah like, nobody wants to hear that you just need to like eat less and exercise more over a few months yeah. and then it'll it'll yeah. slowly get better like yeah. there's not any magical magical bullet for any of this kind of stuff no exactly yeah. I'm like we know that diets don't work like there is so much right. to say that most people who diet will put that weight back on and maybe right. more them, right? We know and that. yet they still do it. It's like a it's a billion dollar industry, just like the sleep training industry. Yeah, because you're selling something yeah. that people desperately want, and and they want it quick. Yeah, because why? You know, you can't wait. Like, who wants to wait three months for sleep? Like that sounds awful. I that sounds like only the same, but that is that's the reality, isn't it? Or it might yeah. be longer. It might be less. You know, that's yeah. The, I exactly. think. That, lack of yeah if someone lots of clients say to me if you could just tell me in seven weeks time my baby is going to sleep an eight hour stretch I'll yeah. do it <laughs> I know I'll, I will the sleep. unknown the unknown is so so hard it's so hard especially when you're at the beginning of your baby's life like you're you know rocking a six-week-old baby and you're seeing all these stories about like oh my gosh I'm so happy my 18 month old just slept through the night for the first time and you're just like oh my God, kill me. Like I can't do this for 18 more months. Um, yeah, I know having like no sense of when it'll happen. Cause they also could be two months. Like there are plenty of babies that sleep through the night really young. Um, and so that definitely happens too, but yeah, it can be really hard when you don't know exactly when it's coming. And so kind of just surrendering and giving up, giving up that wondering and that knowing, um, can be really freeing. Yeah, I I do. I think there's a phrase, isn't there? Like you're kind of you're given the baby you need, or that you're supposed to have, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Say, and I think yeah, child does teach you kind of what you need to learn. Or mm-hmm. there's you know, so I don't know. I don't know what you feel like. Number three might teach you what. <laughs> I hope number three teaches me that unicorn babies do exist. <laughs> that would be so good. Like- I would love for them to show me that like babies can sleep through the night and sleep in their bassinets and sleep for long stretches. Although I'm going to be such a sucker. Like I'm going to be telling such a different story when the baby's here. Cause it's going to be our last baby. I'm going to want to just like snuggle the crap out of it all day. So yeah. yeah, that's the thing too. Like we want our babies to be so independent and then we miss it. And you know, yeah, not everybody wants to hear that. Cause you're like, well, I'm really struggling right now. I'm really yeah. suffering right now. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to miss it someday. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's really true. I just, I love the newborn stage. So I'm going to kind of just go with it for a while. And then we'll just see what their little personality is like, I guess. Um, but yeah, both of my, both of my first kids taught me so much. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a feeling, do you think it might, do you have a, a feeling about the gender? I really don't. For the first several months, I was sure it was a boy. Now we're kind of thinking maybe girl, we're like really 50, 50. We have no idea. My son wants a boy course. And my daughter wants a girl. Yeah. So somebody's going to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> my husband and I really don't care. We're like kind of calling it like our bonus baby. We already have one of each and, um, there are pros and cons to both that are probably nothing related to gender in the first place. So we're going to be super excited either way. We're just excited for like that moment where we find out, we think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. And you've got, um, your another baby in your course coming out soon, right? <laughs> Yes, my course baby that I've been working on for even longer than this baby in my belly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I decided to kind of 
change up all of my course offerings. Um, I had a newborn course and a five to 18 months and then a toddler course. And I decided like, let me just bundle the first two so that a new parent can just grab it and have everything they need until their baby's a toddler. Um, and I decided to make the videos much shorter. So in my first round of courses that I created like two years ago, I had, you know, these really long presentations that had lots of great information, but you know, you had to have 60 minutes or so to sit down and watch it. Um, and so this time I was like, no, like, I don't have time for that. I have, I literally have parenting courses sitting in my email that I haven't even opened yet. And I've had them for months. So like, if that's me, I know that's other parents too. So I want to give people like short little videos they can go in and watch plus like a guidebook and some cheat sheets that they can print out and keep on their fridge or whatever. Um, so that it's just a little bit more accessible because parents are busy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Totally. I think that's, yeah. 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 Well, I think, I think it's really exciting that, that there are people you me other people who are yeah it's exciting that conversations are starting to change you know even like you know Gabor Mate going on Joe Rogan and things like that I know I know I'm not usually a fan but I did listen to that episode and I just I love him yeah not Joe Rogan again <laughs> Gabor <laughs> yeah I'm not a Joe Rogan kind of person but um you know I really do, do you think in the states that the tide is starting to turn or is are we in a bubble I think it's starting to turn like that interview made me very excited because it's the biggest podcast I know lots of men listen to it and so I was really excited that like in the first 10 minutes he started talking about like cry it out and how we're raising our babies and stuff like that I I think that that is going to be so valuable to get that information out there to people who would probably like, like never hear that kind of thing. Um, and I think, you know, with accounts like mine and yours, and there are so many others that are gaining so much popularity now that I definitely think things are changing. Um, I mean, we still have a long way to go. Like, <laughs> I think that my account is the biggest, at least in the States. And right now, as we're recording this, I have about 300 310,000, um, which is huge. Like it's, I'm so grateful for that. It's, it's way more than I would have ever expected. Um, and at the same time, the three largest sleep trainers here combined are like well over 3 million. Um, so, you know, we still have a lot to chip away at. Um, but I do think things are starting to change and, and I'm happy about that. I hope that by the time my kids have kids, we're not going to have to be hearing about sleep training anymore. But the thing I think is so cool and so interesting about our community is that things like this, right? Like we are colleagues. Some people would call us competition. I don't think of it that way, but um, that's something I never see in the sleep training world. I never see them recommending each other, talking about each other. They all just like stay in their own lane um, because they want to make money. That's like the number one thing for them, I think. And um you know, I'm sure that they think they're helping people too. I guess I'll give them that. But, um, I notice I notice in our community that like, we're all like, we just care about people hearing about this information and we don't care if it's from us or from somebody else. Like if somebody doesn't want to follow me because they don't resonate with me, that's cool. I want them to follow you or I want them to follow somebody else that is going to give them this information. Um, because I just want it out there. 100%. That's why I wanted to mention your course because Thank I you. have 
I know. Cause you just launched your course that's zero to 18 months too. And I'm sure it's amazing. I'm sure I'm excited to be on, but you know, like if I'm not the right person, that's absolutely fine. Like, right. I, yeah, like obviously yeah, you get to choose who you learn from. And I think, you know, that's what is so cool about this community of, of sleep people or sleep coaches, whatever you want to call us is that, um, yeah, at the end of the day, we really just want parents to get this, this information. So mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I think a lot of us do have similar stories where we 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 just, yeah, got too sucked into uh, yeah. stuff. So thank you for your time as well. It's so nice to talk to you. Oh my and, gosh, of course. This was so much fun. Yeah. Um, I'm, it, I mean, I do like, I love having a bit of a rant as well. I, I have, I don't think on, my, on this podcast, I've really talked as much as I have today about sleep training and like... <laughs> <laughs> my views on the industry itself but it's, it's a really messed up industry it really is and your fake your fake news Fridays are like one of my favorite things on the <laughs> internet because I'm just like yes like tell them like they cannot get away with this um and it takes so much courage to do that on yeah it's crazy like I almost never repeat stuff like I cannot believe how much stuff there is that is online not even some of the stuff that's not even just about sleep training, but just, just oh, I know. not about I babies, know. about, you know, um, weird rules and things that it's just like, what's going on? <laughs> I know. There's such terrible advice out there. It's so scary. There were so many different reasons why I was nervous about this one. One is that I really, really don't want any parent to listen to this and feel guilt or shame or or any negative feelings about their own choices, perhaps, if they have sleep trained. And I hope that by hearing that both Rachel and I have been there and done it ourselves, that you know that our criticisms of the industry come from a place of compassion for other parents, ourselves included, um, and also that there is a problem with the messaging and the misinformation that is spread by the industry, not the choices of individual parents. And I think Rachel's point about if there were people just saying, look, this is what it looks like. This is what might happen. This It might not work for you. It might. This is what, this is what it is. Then we could respect that. I think when there are these claims of this is going to fix everything, this is magic, this is guaranteed, this is the only way, all of those things, then when a parent decides or feels that they don't want to do that, it can also make them feel very shamed and judged as if they are somehow rejecting the solution and therefore martyring themselves. And I think that's the other side of this, which doesn't get talked about enough, you know, that there can be just as much shame for not sleep training as there can be as for choosing to sleep train. And I don't think there should be shame on either part. But yeah, I, I'm also nervous because honestly, like I don't want to get sued or, you know, threatened with legal action. Um, and some of these businesses are extremely successful and profitable. Um, and people understandably want to protect their businesses. And I understand that. And I guess I've been thinking since we had this conversation of like the the line, I suppose, between like debate and criticism and talking about things in their kind of context of wider culture and then just being kind of vicious or nasty or or 
trying to damage someone's reputation or business which I don't think we're doing but I think um I hope anyway that we're not doing and I I hope it doesn't come across that way um but let me know what your thoughts are I think um I think it's okay to have strong opinions it doesn't mean that my opinion is right it it is literally just an opinion and it is informed by my life experiences and my and 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 the conversations I've had with people but that's the brilliant thing about life and opinions isn't it is that they can opinions change they evolve they are always being shaped by our life experiences so I think if we don't have these conversations out of fear of shaming or guilting or you know being seen as too negative then nothing ever changes nothing ever moves forward Um, and I was thinking at the weekend actually about how when I maybe this seems like a silly kind of analogy but when I first started being a vegetarian I used to get like people saying oh you think you know I'm a monster for eating meat or you uh, oh you're difficult or oh you think you're so you know vegetarians think they're so self-righteous or they're so superior and it's like I just don't want that on my plate you can eat what you like and but actually over the last 20 odd years there have been documentaries and um, books written about vegetarianism and exploring all of the many reasons why some people choose to have a more plant-based diet and now I feel like I can't even remember the last time anyone even asked me why I was vegetarian or made a comment about it it's just like I just feel like it's such a non-thing it's not part of my identity it's not part of my life you know and certainly I know lots of people who are vegetarian for lots of different reasons and they're not a type of person you know um my you know my my mother-in-law is a vegetarian you know I think well she was a vegan for a long time um and I also know like younger people who are you know into that stuff for all very different reasons so I don't think it's I guess there is a bit of a parallel there that maybe being especially if you're somewhere like the US where sleep training is just the norm as Rachel was describing then maybe it might feel a bit like oh you're a weird vegan or vegetarian and people are going to think that's strange now but hopefully in 10 or 15 years time we're just more talking about this stuff it will just be seen as another option and it's an option that's right for you because ultimately I see the people that I work with who want to improve sleep without sleep training it's not because they think they're morally superior I have never met anyone who has said that to me or even I've got that vibe off them I think ultimately they just know their child and themselves and they have decided it's not for them and I think instead of attacking people who have that feeling about their own child let's support them let's respect that just as I genuinely do respect anyone who makes the choice to sleep train with a with an, in a kind of an informed decision kind of situation I think if you're being made to sleep train because you're told your child will never sleep again if they if you don't or because you're not teaching them vital life skills I think that is unfair on the parent making that choice but if you're doing it knowing everything then absolutely I think like we said parents are not stupid and we are all more than capable of making decisions that feel right for our families so that's my takeaway from all of this you know I I don't think 
how you choose to parent your child in the night should define you as a parent. I think that's down to a relationship between you and your child. Um, that is a private thing, but I think we have to protect new parents, particularly against an industry that is making a lot, a lot of money based on a lot of twisted um, misinformation. <laughs>